0: Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you for the next two hours, right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. And we have a jam-packed show for you today. There is a lot to negotiate through today. I mean, it's one of those. It's one of the like last night before I go to you know before I go to bed. I always think about okay, what's the tone of the show going to be tomorrow? Are we going to be aggressive? Are we going to be you know informative? Are we going to do a statistical breakdown of things? I mean, I, I kind of start to lay things out as to. The, the mood of the show, and then ultimately, I wake up in the morning and things have changed, and uh, we completely go in a different direction last night, I knew that it was going to be a jumble of things going into this morning because of all the stuff that had happened between nine a m yesterday when we signed off and you know three a m this morning when uh we you know things start kind of crackling on the east coast, so to speak, as people are starting to wake up and uh, and things start happening. So, and that's exactly what we have today, because there was a lot of, uh, a lot of information, a lot of news, a lot of stuff happening in the afternoon yesterday, mid midday and afternoon, and even the evening yesterday that we all have to discuss today. And it's a wonderful thing because we get to react to it now, and I can share my opinions and thoughts, and maybe give some some insight and some thought that is a little bit different than something you've heard already. So hopefully we give you something to uh, to chew on today. We also have some Sugar Skulls tickets coming up for uh, someone for a lucky winner today. A lucky caller is going to win a pair of tickets to go see the Sugar Skulls. We'll have that, so be listening for your cue to call. Um, we'll have those to give away at some point over the next two hours. There were plenty of headlines in the news yesterday. Aaron Rodgers showing up uh, in Green Bay for Packer Camp He is going to speak with the media today. And if it's one thing that I've noticed over the years in dealing with the media, and obviously watching tons and tons of press conferences and being able to essentially, I think, find out which regions, which teams, which areas, which cities have the the best reporting. Um, Reporters that, that... do things in my opinion the right way green bay is one of those like we always get good stuff out of packers pressers the, the the media there in green bay that cover the packers are very thoughtful and when i say thoughtful i don't mean i don't i don't mean you know people that that are giving and things like that. what they are they're, they're thoughtful about their job and the process of delivering the news to the fans and those that want to consume it they ask The right questions. They ask them to the right people and they allow the players or their target of the question to elaborate and discuss. And I think this is going to be a good opportunity today from the Green Bay media to really kind of find out what's been going on in Aaron Rodgers' head over the last several months. Talk about the process of returning to Green Bay and the future of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So it should be an interesting discussion today, as uh, as he will meet with the media. It also was just announced. Randall Cobb actually just tweeted it out, I believe. Um, I'm coming home. The trade has been made. Not exactly sure of the details yet. As if we get news of the of the details of that trade, we'll get it out to you. But Randall Cobb will be returning to Green Bay, as per the demands of Aaron Rodgers himself. And one of the other questions that will need to be asked is if Devontae Adams, if if the Packers are going to throw a bunch of money at Devontae Adams, why would he even consider re-signing if he knows that this is essentially Aaron Rodgers' swan song with the Packers? Which is, let's face it, folks, that's exactly what it is. The Packers are getting exactly what they want. They don't have to trade Aaron Rodgers this year when there are no teams available to be suitors for an asking price of Aaron Rodgers because nobody's had enough time to collect assets to be able to make a run at him. It would just be like, we got nothing to give you. (laughs) So now that this is happening, the Packers are getting what they want. They are getting Aaron Rodgers for a year to make another attempt at a world championship in the NFL. They are going to give every team in the NFL who is now interested in Aaron Rodgers, the other 31 teams, an entire year to acquire assets and maneuver uh, finances to be able to make room to make an offer to the Packers for for Aaron Rodgers if they choose to do that. So this is a win-win for the Green Bay Packers. And in the end of it, you know, At the very end of this rainbow, they get to move on from Aaron Rodgers. They are rid of Aaron Rodgers at the end of this season. After this year, Aaron Rodgers will be moved on. They'll have some new assets to go to work with. They'll have Jordan Love, if that's who they decide to move forward with as their next quarterback. And a lot of people, I, I heard some people on some of the networks yesterday, uh, some of the so-called experts, saying that, over the next five years, Green Bay will be the worst one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think it's I think it's contrary. Granted, they'll be without Aaron Rodgers, and they may very well be without Devontae Adams, but they're going to have a year to prepare themselves for everything that's going to happen once Aaron Rodgers is gone, something that would not have happened if he had just up and retired yesterday. Or if they had just decided to take whatever best offer was available and moved him out of the building for some trade with some team who was not prepared to give what's necessary for a guy of the caliber of Aaron Rodgers. So I think quite the contrary. I think the Packers are in a great position. But Aaron Rodgers will speak with the media today, and we'll uh, learn a bit, a little bit more. And, yes, Randall Cobb is on his way back. So that's some NFL news. There's other NFL news as well. Xavier Howard, the star cornerback for the Miami Dolphins, has demanded a trade. I do believe that that is a trade that is going to happen at some point because he's sticking to his guns. He wanted his contract ripped up and renegotiated, and the Miami Dolphins are absolutely not willing to do that. And he's one of the best corners in the league. So if Miami isn't going to show you the love, he's going to ask to be traded to someone who will. And the Miami Dolphins are going to have to trade him because you cannot have one of your star players just choosing not to play, or as Marshawn Lynch would put it, I'm just here so I don't get fined, right? Which is basically what he's going to do. He's just going to show up so he doesn't get fined until he can be traded, which means he's going to be a thorn in the side of the front office there in Miami. They're going to have to trade him somewhere and likely somewhere as far away from Miami as possible. Possibly the NFC West. There are some teams here that need some corners. I mean, every, listen, this is the NFL in 2021. Everybody needs corners. Everyone. There's there's not a team out there that's like, you know, we're good. We're, we're cornerback? Yeah, we're solid. <laughs> Everybody would want a player of his caliber. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on that as well. Xavier Howard has requested a trade saying, I'm not happy. Other headlines from yesterday. Simone Biles, the backlash and support uh on both sides which has been man it's gotten ugly out there on some of the socials and in the national media people either calling her a traitor uh one one idiot called her uh, i believe on his podcast or his radio show I, I don't pay attention to some of these small town guys especially people that dropped out of community college um that are that are touting their greatness over others, Uh, he called her a a sociopath for allowing Russia to win a gold medal. I got news for you. Russia was going to win that gold medal with or without Simone Biles on the U.S. team because even with her, they were getting trounced. So, you know, look, Russia was just better this year. They were a lot better. And ended up winning that competition by three and a half points, which is a wide, wide, wide margin in the world of gymnastics. I'll have some thoughts. I had some thoughts yesterday. Early, early thoughts, obviously, is we had just gotten the news during the show about her withdrawal from the competition. So it's one of those things where you scramble and you're like, okay, first, first inclination, first take, first opinion, there it is. And then you have time to think about it. And there look, there have been plenty of times where I have given a first opinion doing a morning show, things happen early, quick, often you you have to make opinions on the fly. you have to just go quickly with it and be convicted in your opinions and that's that's what I do and there are times there have been times in my career where in my life where you've found more information and you have changed your stance on your opinion the, things have changed the you didn't have enough information to Properly formulate the opinion that you ended up you know, landing with once you had all the information to you uh, available. After more information came out yesterday, and talking to people, and you know reading some things, and going back doing some research on some of the things that I thought that I remembered from the past, just couldn't quite put my finger on it. I'm even more convicted in my opinion today. That Simone Biles, look, there are people out there that are touting her as a hero for doing this. I'm not going to go that far because let's not mistake heroes for people who just recognize the fact that they're not ready to go and they could possibly hurt themselves and their teammates if they continue to compete and perform. That's that's not heroic, okay? I'm not going to go as far to say she's a hero, but she is not a sociopath. She is not a traitor. I would not label her a quitter. And I still stand my ground on that she's a human being before anything else. And if a human being is hurting, if they're mentally not able to continue doing whatever it is that they're doing, then that person needs to be embraced and they need to be taken care of. Humans need to band together and take care of one another. Listen, listen. I'm I'm sure I'm talking to plenty of people out there who have lost someone to suicide because of mental health issues that the person never spoke up. They they never let anyone know that there was anything wrong, right? I mean, that's sadly, pardon me, sadly, a lot of the times that's what happens in life. And uh, I've been blindsided by that before with friends as well that I just – you know, it's like you know. After you hear the news, you know, why didn't you say anything? And I'm not saying that Simone Biles is suicidal or anything like that. I'm not saying that her her mental problems extend that far, reach that far. But in this day and age, it's so easy to just put someone on a pedestal, and then once they decide to step down off that pedestal, kick them into the mud. And man, it, it's it, it got. Really, really ugly out there from some really ugly people. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But I want to lead off today with, well, one thing one thing, and then we'll move on to the, to the actual lead story. Because Pac-12 Media Day, of course, happened yesterday. I have a lot of thoughts based on some of the quotes and things were said and how players and coaches represented themselves yesterday and how the new commissioner represented himself yesterday in front of the Pac-12 media. Real quick, though, for Suns fans, a tweet yesterday from Chris Paul that was rather cryptic, and I hate this because it's like, why do you put it out there? Why are you going to be so cryptic? He tweeted yesterday, uh, and this was midday, and you know, somewhere in the afternoon. He said, thank you to Phoenix and all the fans on a great season. Back to work, prayer hands, fist in the air, can't give up, hashtag can't give up now, along with pictures of him and the starting five, uh, you know, congratulating one another, him walking off the floor for the final time in Phoenix, and then his jersey hanging in his locker in the locker room. (laughs) The cryptic tweets like like this just drive me nuts. I do believe, I'm, I'm a firm believer that Chris Paul will be back with the Phoenix Suns next year, which is great news for the Phoenix Suns. That is priority number one. Get your point guard back for next season, for the next two, three seasons, whatever it takes, to try to make another run of this thing. Because if you listen to Devin Booker, who had a great game uh, for the Olympic team uh, in, a, in a, a route of Iran, which we expected, right? Uh, but Devin Booker inserted into the, into the starting lineup, scored 16 points, had a great dunk. Uh, played really, really well, he spoke to the media for the first time and basically confirmed what my concerns were, and that's that this team is well aware of what I call the Dan Marino effect, the Dan Marino, uh, you know, of course, getting to the Super Bowl so early in his career that thinking it would just be easy to get back there again, and then he never did. These players, these young players on the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, all the youngins that are on the team acknowledge that they realize that it's not going to be easy to get back, that things had to break just perfectly to get their way into the NBA Finals this season and that they're going to have to fight even harder to get back next year, especially because they're going to have a target on their back. They're the Western Conference champions. They're going to be much more respected by their opponents, uh, this upcoming season than they were in my opinion this season, which makes things that much more difficult. I always have this saying, um, "It's," and and I and I I qualify this by saying, "Look, it's really not easy to win a championship." But this is my saying, "It's easy to win a championship. It is near. It, it's it it's really really difficult to win another one. Like winning the first one, that's easy. A lot of a lot of people win a first one. Once you start to look at people and teams who have won a second one, the numbers exponentially get lesser. And it it is a vast drop off in all sports, in all competitions, in all disciplines. So, so difficult to win a second one. Ask Aaron Rodgers. So, we're going to talk about Pac-12 Media Day. I want to discuss how Arizona, specifically the Arizona football team, represented itself the four members of Arizona who were there yesterday <clears throat> who spoke to the media, pardon me, Athletic Director Dave Heakey, of course, was there. He spoke with some of the media. Head coach Jed Fish had a rousing uh, time at the pulpit. And then, of course, the players, Anthony Pandy and Stanley Berryhill, who I thought brought a little chip on their shoulder demanding, basically saying we're going to go out there and get the respect that we deserve. And I love that. Uh, you love to hear that from the players, and I thought they represented themselves very well at Pac-12 Media Day. We'll come back and we'll talk about that. We'll wrap up some of the things that were said, some of the things that, that I thought were um, most newsworthy and noteworthy coming out of uh, of Arizona football camp at Pac-12 Media Day. With school just around the corner, we want to help you and the student in your life get the supplies that they need to succeed. Here at ESPN Tucson, we're giving you the chance to win the $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. Now, you can register online at ESPNTucson.com. Just follow the links to get you through, to get you registered, and you can register once per day through August 9th. Pac-12 Media Day reactions next. It's the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Jed Fish opened up his press conference yesterday at Pac-12 Media Days in Los Angeles with quotes. I guess I'm second to last. Jed, who is uh, normally one of the most talkative guys in the room, was actually losing his voice, probably because he's one of the most talkative guys in the room. So he had a little difficulty speaking yesterday. At one point, completely lost his voice. He said, quote, I guess I'm second to last, which is what you guys normally rank me anyway so it's a good start to pack 12 media day and i guess continue to put on a what was what was close to a 30 minute press conference which is a a very long press conference for a head coach that's not you know one of the premier coaches you know of a of a one of the elite teams in the league right you would expect Mario Cristobal Clay Helton you know Herm Edwards with as talkative as he is and of course having the program that they have and all the issues that they have there as well, would have had a press conference that was that long. But, no, Jed Fish led the day in uh, in press conferences and showed up Gingham style, not Gangnam style, Gingham style in a red and blue checkered blazer. (laughs) Looking good, looking good. And, you know, basically he said, I kind of figured that you guys would pick us to finish last in the South in the preseason media poll, which, of course, they did. Um, 40 members of the PAC 12 media voted 39 voted Arizona to finish sixth in the PAC 12 South and one picked them to finish fifth. He said, we'll just have to go out there and play really well and see what happens. That's just on past performance, past performances. And I loved how he followed it up. He said, no one's seen our team. And he's absolutely right. No one has seen this iteration of Arizona football, a newly formed joy of playing football in Tucson at the University of Arizona. And, you know, while Jed brought energy and humor to the room, his players that he brought there to represent the university, uh, Anthony Pandy and Stanley Berryhill, who he said, quote, uh, have become incredible leaders for our program, mainly because, look, these guys have stuck stuck through it all. They've, they've been there through thick and thin. Stanley was a walk-on, for God's sakes. You know, a, a a two-star recruit walk-on at Arizona has been through multiple coaching changes, not only at the head coach position, but at the position coach positions. Anthony Pandy, of course, been a good leader on and off the field as well. Those guys earned the right to represent this football program at Pac-12 Media Day. And I thought that it was uh it, it was it was it was fitting um that those three guys traveled together to do this thing now jed was asked a, you know a lot of questions specifically on he was asked about recruiting you know and how the recruiting battle is going getting kids to Arizona and he was he was very optimistic and he was very positive and very confident about what the you know what i i guess what their strategy is for recruiting kids to Arizona. And he wants to win the state of Arizona. And right now, I'm going to be honest, he is. like he's, He's absolutely winning the state of Arizona in a way that U of A has not done in a very, very long time. He said that we believe Tucson is a special place, and that he talked about the amount of transfers that they brought in. Now, this particular staff brought in 14 transfers from the transfer portal this year to play in the 2021 uh, season. Now, these are kids that are from D1 schools. All 14 of them are from D1s, and I think most of them, I think 10 or 11 of them are from Power 5 programs. Now, I'm not saying that this is incredible, you know, leaps and bounds, but it, it is quite different from the previous regime, that's for sure. And to get 10 or 11 guys from Power 5 programs in the transfer portal in this day and age, that's like winning free agency. Like You're in competition with a lot of other programs out there, and you have to sell that student athlete on your program. You're not money-whipping them like they do in the professional ranks with free agency. You're not going to just show them the money and be taken by someone who is just accepting the largest offer. You have to provide them with the information about your program that is the most enticing to them. And Arizona, in 14 cases, won that battle with the other schools that they were in competition with, which is a huge win for Arizona and its staff. That it, it proves that they're able to go out there and talk to these kids, kids that have already been on other campuses, and several of them have been in, let's say, facilities that outlast and, and outshine the facilities that are at Arizona right now. And, look, the facilities are getting better. The facilities are getting better at a lot of places. Arizona was so far behind in their facilities for so long that they're just now kind of catching up, and they're going you know, to they have a lot of work ahead of them. But if the football team performs well and if the Pac-12 can start getting teams into the playoff, for more revenue sharing and such, then, then that's all well and good. And honestly, you know, Jetfish has done a phenomenal job of bringing guys into the program that mean a lot to the community of Tucson and the people, let's be honest here, that have money in the community in Tucson. Teddy Bruschi, a part of this program. Ricky Hunley, a part of this program. Chuck Cecil, part of this program. They bring Gronk back to be uh, uh, you know, the, the associate head coach of the Red-Blue game. And then we see him scoring two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady and him celebrating. And Gronk is everywhere. You know, this is, this is all good visual and feel-good stuff for the guys who are going to open up their checkbook for Arizona. And look, <laughs> Let's face it, folks, that's important. That's almost as important as winning football games. Nothing's more important than winning football games in regards to money because a, 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 a donor doesn't want to – isn't going to open up their checkbook because Arizona has the highest graduation rate in the country. That's, that's, not, that's not going to blow their skirts up, okay? What's going to blow their skirts up is being able to shake hands with Teddy Bruschi and Chuck Cecil and Ricky Hundley and some of the greats. look, three of the four football Hall of Famers that have ever played at Arizona are on this staff. So being able to talk with those guys, you know, reinvigorate the the feelings of the past when they were a young fan, and now they've got money to spend on the program, and then winning football games, those are those are the two things that are going to prompt these donors, these alumni, to donate to the program and thus start making things better, improvements to the facilities, yada yada yada. We know the we know the the rigmarole. We know we know it all, right? We we can get there from from there. So these are all good things. Um, he mentioned that they are proud to say that they have 118 players on on the team right now and that all 118 will be participating in camp on August 5th. We talked about the scholarships. Um, he, I, I really like the the number one jersey and what he said. And before we go to break, I want to talk about this because – they're going to award one player the opportunity to wear the number one. You don't just get to choose number one because that's you, you know you're the number one guy. You always wear number one. You have to earn the number one jersey in Jed Fish's program. Now, right now, that jersey is hanging in the rafters at the Genie and and, and uh, the Genie and Cole Facility, the indoor facility. Okay, he says we had nine guys request the number one jersey, but it's a meritocracy, which I'm in huge favor of. He says they're going to be able to compete to get that number one jersey, but here's what I liked most about it. It wasn't about which guy wins the, you know, the the king of the hill competition or the you know the Oklahoma drill or anything like that. He says, quote, whoever does the best academically, socially, with community service, on the practice field, in the weight room, that's the person who will be able to wear that jersey for the season. Because we have to remember that these are amateur athletes. And, yes, NIL is going to change a lot of that. But these are still amateur athletes who are not contractually uh, you know, by, bound to a money and a team and a franchise and a corporation. These are amateur athletes who have to go to school every day and have to study for tests still. Whoever does the best academically, socially with community service, which I absolutely love on the practice field, in the weight room, and, of course, on the field of play itself, we will get to wear that number one jersey. So loving this, loving the things that I'm hearing from, uh, from Jed Fish, and we'll continue more with Pac-12 Media Day when uh, when we return because there was plenty more to chew on, including everything that happened with the Herm Edwards press conference, if you will, and the things that they talked about with the two representatives from Arizona State football, is Jaden Daniels, the quarterback, was there, and uh, and uh, uh, the defensive player named Chase Lucas. Uh, Chase Lucas was there as well. So we'll uh, we'll get into some of that. Join ESPN Tucson this Thursday. That's tomorrow. Oh my gosh, it's already Wednesday. Uh, Spears and Ali will be broadcasting live for National Chicken Wing Day at the Fire Truck Brewing Company. That's from three to six p.m. Fire Truck Brewing is fireman owned. Yay. And there are lots of firehouse-approved recipes on the menu. You can come enjoy an ice-cold draft beer to go along with some hot wings at the Fire Truck Brewing Company to celebrate National Chicken Wing Day. That's tomorrow from 3 to 6 as we will be broadcasting live with Spears and Ali. Come on down. There's going to be ESPN Tucson swag and all kinds of fun and games and food and drinks to be had. More information at ESPNTucson.com. More from Pac-12 Media Day after this. It's the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Some other takeaways from Pac-12 Media Day yesterday. We, We started to talk about it during the show yesterday, of course, as George Klyavkov, new commissioner of the Pac-12, was making his statement during our final hour of yesterday's show. And he mentioned that the departure of Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12 strengthens our unique position as the only Power 5 conference with teams in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. Now, obviously, other conferences, specifically the Mountain West, decided to take that and run with it and misquoted George Klyavkov and said, only sc- only football schools in the Pacific and Mountain time zones, and they were emoji smirks and all this other kind of stuff. It's it's not what he said. He said Power 5, okay? And let's not mistake the Mountain West Conference for a Power 5 conference. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's a one-trick pony, and it has been for a long time. He said, that said, the fallout from Texas and Oklahoma gives us an opportunity to once again consider expansion. And we've already had significant inbound interest from many schools, and we will work with our presidents and chancellors to evaluate these opportunities. It's a kind way of saying we haven't gotten any any interest from any schools that interest us. <laughs> and look, that list is going to be very, very short, very short list of schools that will interest the PAC-12 presidents and, uh, and chancellors, because let's face it, the standards here in the PAC-12 are much different. I mean, just look at the standards based on the numbers. People were asking at Pac-12 Media Day, what is your percentage rate for COVID vaccinations? When they asked Jed Fish, he said our current COVID vaccination rate is 93%. There, is 100, there are 118 players on this football team, and 110 of them have been vaccinated. He said he believes it gives Arizona a competitive advantage and that he hopes they get to 100%. They're not going to get to 100% because I believe there is one player on the team that has a religious belief that will preclude him from getting the vaccination, which is absolutely fine. And that's you know, that's just part of the part of the world that we live in and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know so w- when talking about that you know, the the league essentially Pac-12 is a league is currently sitting around, like as far as the players go, right around 85%, 86% total compliance with vaccinated players. Washington State, I think, lagging a little bit behind. I think they're just below 80%. And a couple of other schools, you know, kind of low 80%. But many of the schools, I believe he said 9 of the 12 schools are at 90% or above, which is amazing. Um, and again, that's great to hear, because it's going to create a more level playing field for Pac-12 games this season. And the Pac-12 announced also that they will be going back, will likely going be going back to the protocols that were in place for pre-COVID cancellations of football games. So we'll keep an eye on that. Of course, if anything, the rosters are big enough in college football where it shouldn't be too much of a problem. And if you're talking about vaccinated players and such, I think it becomes even less of a problem. But we'll see. You know, it, with the new Delta strain or whatever is coming out, I, I think anything's possible. I'm I'm not going to rule anything out. I'll 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 take I'll acknowledge the game once it has been played and there's zeros on the board and the final score has been posted. That's when we can acknowledge the game has been played and it's in the books and we're good to go. The uh, you know I thought it was interesting also when you know George Klyavkov discussed um, the group that is in charge of essentially um, the, the football operations group and is led by Merton Hanks, former 49er, former NFL player, of course. And he mentioned that the, the league is going to be looking at scheduling, uh, scheduling methodology, both for con and non-con games and the conference's division structure as well as kickoff times. He said, quote, the mandate for this group is simple. Recommend changes to our football pro- program with the, the goal of optimizing for CFP invitations and winning championships, George Klyavkov is here to get the Pac-12 in front of as many eyeballs as possible and win championships. He's going to put football first, which is something that Larry Scott never did. Larry Scott would take to the, the to the stage on Pac-12 Media Day and start talking about how wonderful the Stanford swimming team is. Okay, look, that's all well and good, and we embrace all of the Olympic sports, track and field. In the pool, everywhere. Okay, all of the sports that are that are included in the pack these Pac-12 schools that we're so lucky to be able to enjoy here in the Pac-12. But what it's all about, and that's what the burning question is, is about football, winning football games. How do you make more money? I also thought it was interesting that Klyovkov made some made some comments yesterday that were. <laughs> and this has nothing to do with you know, anything that's specifically happening in the, in the Pac-12, but what he discussed, I believe, was that the, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, were not invited to the party when discussing the thoughts of CFP expansion, the playoff expansion in college football to a 12-team playoff. Now, one of the issues is, is that, of course, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten both ushering in new commissioners. Kevin Warren, the new commissioner in the Big Ten, had only been there for a year, and of course, Jeff, George Klyovkov has been there for 27 days. They did not, they were not included in the committee that decided that college football was going to move forward. That committee was largely headed up by Bob Bowlesby, Big 12 commissioner, Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, and a few other people. And Klyavkov was critical of that committee making these decisions because he basically said that there were people in the room who were operating with information that the other people in that room did not have, basically eyeballing Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner who's known that OU and Texas were looking to make a move to the SEC for on seven or eight months now trying to get this information out as quickly as possible. Information to the public that college football was looking to expand to a 12-team playoff in June when there was really no reason, right? There's no reason to, to, to stir that hornet's nest with the fans because the, the college football is stuck with the current playoff situation through the 2023-24 slash bowl season. So there was no reason to, like... Get it out there in June as quickly and possible unless you knew that Texas and OU were going to notify Bob Bowlesby and the Big 12 that they were leaving in July. Now this brings up a real another real issue, which is Greg Sankey and the SEC eh, starting to kind of feel feel themselves a little bit, a little little getting a little big for their britches. And look, you, when you follow the money, Rightfully so, right? I mean, they, they get to dictate a lot of things that are going to happen in college football, specifically once they get Texas and OU, and I still believe it's going to happen this year. Just call me crazy. Uh, I still believe it's going to happen this year. Especially once they get those two in, they will be able to dictate a lot of things. Now, I don't know if it's their goal in the SEC to have half of the playoff teams from the SEC because if, if you expand to a 12-team, uh, a 12-team playoff, there's a, I mean, there's a really, really good chance that the SEC will never see fewer than four teams in that playoff, and in some years, maybe upwards of six. I mean, and, and that's, essentially, they're trying to make this the SEC Invitational Playoff Tournament, right? That's essentially what it sounds like they're trying to do, and George Klyovkov was not very happy about that, the fact that. Nobody was notified in some of these other conferences, some of these other conference leaders, that this stuff was going on behind closed doors, that there were handshake deals being done between the conference and other big teams, big programs, and people were, were on the outside left out completely. And think about if you're Bob Bowlsby of the Big 12, you're in there making deals. You're like, yeah, this is going to be great for my conference, the Big 12. We're going to get OU and Texas in, and, and then, you know, we'll be able to sneak in a team like an Ohio, uh, Oklahoma State or an Iowa State. Maybe in some years, TCU or Baylor, they're going to be good enough to sneak in. He's got all these grand ideas. He votes yes on the expansion. And then a month later, his two crown jewels slap him in the face and uh, leave for the SEC. Imagine how he feels after all going through all that. Let's rush to get it out by June. Yes, perfect. Let's let's turn the college football world on its head. And meanwhile, Greg Sankey is sitting there twirling his finely waxed handlebar mustache, i.e., Snidely Whiplash, like a villain, snickering, knowing exactly what's about to happen some 35 days from now. Yeah, so. Plenty of college football. We're always going to talk college football here. We're always going to talk some NFL, as we had do have some NFL coming up as well um, for that. Also be sticking around for them. Uh, tickets to the Sugar Skulls. We're going to be giving those away at some point over the next hour or so. So be listening for that. You're listening right here to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Let's do it right now. Let's give away those Sugar Skull tickets to our second caller at 520-719-1490. Caller number two at 719-1490. going to win themselves a pair of tickets to go see the Sugar Skulls take on the Northern Arizona Wranglers this Saturday. The game kicks off at 6 o'clock, and of course at Tucson Arena. So call now. Be the second caller. 520-719-1490 is the number. Call now. Good luck. And uh, enjoy the game this Saturday. Some baseball hot stove action as one of the biggest names in in baseball, Max Scherzer, most definitely going to be traded, most likely going to be traded, I should say, uh, at some point over the next 24 hours. The baseball trade deadline looming. The trade deadline is at that's uh, like 10 a.m. our time on Friday on the 30th. So. Something is going to happen with Max Scherzer. He's in the final year of his contract with the Nationals. He's set to become a free agent at the end of the year. The Nationals would rather get something for him, obviously, than get nothing at all and have him just walk at the end of the year. The Nationals are going nowhere. They're not going to be in the playoffs, and so they're looking to deal the ace and future Hall of Famer. Max Scherzer has a 100% trade clause in his contract, meaning he gets to pick and choose. Essentially, it's like a... Free agency light for him. He says and he gets to pick and choose uh, wherever he wants to go. Now he has told the team that he wants to be dealt to a playoff contender, a legitimate playoff contender on the West Coast. That points to three teams, in my opinion, because he likes he wants to play. He likes to play in the National League. He prefers the National League to the American League. That means the Padres, the Dodgers, and the. National league leading, major league leading, San Francisco Giants. Now, I have spent some time with Max before. We have a, a mutual friend. Max has been around here in the, in Phoenix quite some time. You know, several times. Of course, had a house here up until about three years ago. And I just need to call Max, and and uh, and convince him and his lovely wife Erica and their children that they just need to go to San Francisco and bring home another championship. Don't go to, don't go to Los Angeles. Nobody, nobody wants to see Max Scherzer in a Dodger uniform. He doesn't want to be in that uniform anyway, and it's the least friendly hitter park of the three, or the, uh, the most friendly, least friendly pitcher's park of the three, I should say. So you want to go somewhere where you're going to thrive. Obviously, Max is going to thrive. Every, anywhere he goes, he's one of the greatest pitchers of the 21st century, uh, probably one of the greatest pitchers of the last 40, 50 years even. He's just that good. So, Max Scherzer going to be on the move most likely within the next 24 hours. This Giants fan here speaking to you right now is desperately hoping that he chooses San Francisco as his landing spot. I mean, who wouldn't want to throw baseballs to Buster Posey, right? I mean, get a Buster hug after a shutout win. Buster hugs are the best. (laughs) Just ask anyone who's gotten one. They're the best. Uh, congratulations to Carlos Hermosa. Carlos Hermosa was the winner of our Sugar Skulls tickets. Thank you, Carlos. Congratulations on winning those tickets. And enjoy the game Saturday. And, of course, thank you for listening right here to the Jeff Dean Show every weekday morning as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show as we, uh, we break it all down here for you. Every weekday morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. So it'll be interesting to see what other kind of trades happen in Major League Baseball, but obviously Max Scherzer, the big name out there. Um, I heard Jeff Passan this morning on ESPN talking about possibly the New York Yankees. That is not going to happen, okay? Not going to (laughs) happen. The Yankees probably are going to be buyers because they believe somehow that that lineup that is absolutely putrid right now is going to get them into the playoffs, but... I don't believe that, uh, that Max Scherzer wants to sign anywhere on the East Coast. He wants to go to the West Coast. He wants to finish out his career playing for a warmer weather team. and That is not New York. And he doesn't want to play in the American League anyways. He prefers the National League. So, good luck to uh, Max. I, I'm just going to give him a call. Get Max on the phone. Yeah. There we go. Just give him a call. Max and I are are real tight. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we we'll, we may get him on the show at some point. He's he he doesn't like to do interviews a whole lot, but we, maybe we may be able to get him on the show at some point. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll put the we'll put it out there regardless. He wants to come on and talk some sports with me. Probably wants to talk trivia. He loves trivia. Loves playing trivia. See. Still got another hour to go here on today's Wednesday edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Coming up in hour number two, we will discuss some NFL news as the first day of training camp opened up yesterday for the other 31 NFL teams. Talk about uh, things that occurred at Arizona Cardinals camp, what's going on with Larry Fitzgerald, what's going on with Chandler Jones and Jordan Hicks, and some other interesting news coming out of some of the other camps across the NFL. And, of course, we will absolutely discuss the Simone Biles situation, and I will once again give you my thoughts and opinions on how I feel she handled herself during these Olympics more coming up after this on the Jeff Dean show you're listening here on 1490 AM 104.9 FM ESPN Tucson from the Casino del Sol studio the soul of Tucson this is ESPN Tucson 1490 KFFN AM Tucson KMXC HD 4 Tucson